What is up, Bitcoiners? It's CK across from Matt Odell. Matt just had an absolutely legendary conversation with Anthony Scaramucci. I sat in, didn't say anything, but man, it was absolutely, absolutely fantastic and bullish. Matt. I really, really enjoyed this one. It was a true honor to have him on to shoot the shit. I mean, this guy is, he's really becoming a proper Bitcoiner. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if it wasn't evident from the noted podcast, it's going to be evident after listening to Matt back and forth with him. Matt, why don't you kind of give us the the quick highlights? I mean, I, th- I think everyone should listen. I think you're going to enjoy it. But Anthony basically just ran us through the bull case of Bitcoin and just how unprepared I feel everyone is because I've been preparing for this for a long fucking time alongside you for a lot of it. And I'm not ready. We're not ready. So if we're not ready, then how could all these people that are way less prepared than us be ready? And I, I feel like Anthony really channeled it well because he is a new corner, but he's a new corner. You know, he, he said he, he came in in October in a real way, but he's a new corner with a lot of conviction and a lot of money behind him. So it's just a really fantastic perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And sounds like he's not only down for the corn, but he's also down for the official 200K party. Maybe unofficial yet, but maybe we can get him there to speak at Bitcoin 2021. For the listeners out there who haven't bought their Bitcoin 2021 ticket, Matt, why should they, man? Like, what are they missing out on right now? So, I mean, I'm officially on the record that this is going to be the 200K party. I really do think that we're going to hit 200K by June. Even if we don't, you know, even if we're just at like a humble 120K or 115K, I think this is going to be an absolutely amazing conference. It's going to be an amazing party for Bitcoiners uh, from from around the world, hopefully. Bitcoin 2019 was absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, Bitcoin 2020 had to be postponed because of the pandemic. But this year is going to be bigger and better than ever. It's going to be Miami. I just... I. Everything says to me that this is going to be absolutely hype. We got a lot of things planned in the pipeline for it that I'm excited to to announce eventually, but it, we can't announce it yet. If you use my code HUMBLE, you get 21% off, but it has to be full caps. Yeah, all caps. HUMBLE is by far the best code out there. So if you're listening to this, smash HUMBLE into both OpenNode and or Eventbrite when you buy your ticket and make sure to get your 21% off. And I mean, I don't know if you guys remembered, but during Bitcoin 2019, in the midst of a bear market, the price pumped. So can you imagine what the price action is going to be like deep into a bull market during this fucking epic gathering? Well, Bitcoin 2019, we finished it off with a live rabbit hole recap, which we're going to do again for this conference. And I actually told all the freaks to market buy during during the conference. And it turned out to be the local top of $13,000. And it took I think at least two years for us to reclaim that price. I do plan on telling everyone to market buy at the conference. Hopefully it isn't the top. I don't think it'll, it will be the top this time. It's, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be insane. All right, guys, be there or be fucking a shitcoiner. I don't know. All the Bitcoiners are going to be there and hopefully Anthony will be as well. Let's just get into this podcast because it was an absolute banger. Cheers. How's it going, Anthony? I know time is money. So let's let's just jump right into this. Um, uh, well, welcome to uh, the show. I'm here, bro. When I'm having a good time, I can take my time. All right. And congratulations on everything you're doing, Matt. It's great to be on. So welcome to to Bitcoin. It's a relatively new journey for you, but I feel like you've you've kind of come along really quickly. I watched your recent conversation on the Noted podcast with my good friends Bitstein and Pierre, and your grasp of the Bitcoin fundamentals kind of caught me off guard. 
So I feel like a good place to start here is where do you stand right now? Where do you stand? What, what do you see I, happening and with Bitcoin over these next I, well, like two I'm, months, I'm, three I'm months? I'm immediately throwing the penalty flag and I'm giving you a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. You basically just told all of your listeners that I'm an old fuddy-duddy <laughs> and you saw me as a gold miner in, in 1849. That's basically what you just said, Odell. All right. But, but in, all, in all seriousness, I think you're right to be asking that question. And it did take me some time to get there. And my odyssey to Bitcoin is seven years in duration. And I'll explain that. You know, I was with the Winklevosses at the SALT conference, our conference. Those coins were trading at $400 a, a coin. And they were explaining to me what was going to happen and why they were so confident. And I was telling them, it sounds good. It's believable based on the arcs of other networks. But I'm an institutionalist. A couple of things would have to happen for me to get comfortable to expose it to my clients who, you have to remember, Matt, I am an old fuddy-duddy. And so what do my clients want? They want to stay wealthy. They got wealthy. And so it's my job to keep them wealthy. I, it's not my job to find them a unicorn or the new rainbow or the first be the first shareholder into Uber or anything like that. So what I said to the Winklevosses or the Winklevias, they're called, I need three things to happen. Number one, I need to see a fully exaggerated, exponentially growing network that is following Metcalf's law. And Bitcoin has that. You know, you have 100 and, you know, you, you tell me, Sailor thinks it's 130 million users. It could be more than that. We, we sort of think it'll get to a billion by 2025, but it is exponentially growing. Second component I would need is, and the Bitcoiners hate this, is tax and regulation because most Bitcoiners are like you. They're libertarians. They want low-level tax and low-level regulation. And so for me, I'm in the tax and regulation mode because then I know institutions will accept it. it it's moving from, I don't want to go there and embarrass myself. There are too many skeptics to, okay, it's established. I'm now comfortable with its early adoption. And then the third thing, which I think you would appreciate is storage. And so your listeners know that two to three million coins were lost as a result of poor storage mechanisms in the inception of Bitcoin. And I'm not saying that individuals can't hold their coin in places that have reasonably good storage, but if you're an institution and you're gonna put $500 million into Bitcoin, which is effectively what Skybridge has right now at current market prices, I need to store it in a way where it's cold. I need to store it where it's unaffected or not capable of it being hacked by the internet. And so places like Fidelity, when they opened up their window mat, to allow for digital storage at Fidelity, digital storage, you know, the digital asset group of Fidelity. And then they've got that extra layer of Lloyd's of London insurance. That combination to me was like, okay, we got to, we, we're, we're ready to invest now. So I'll say something that, you know, I'd like to get your reaction to as an institutionalist, I'm more comfortable with Bitcoin at $30,000 a coin than $400 a coin. I'm actually more comfortable with it at $48,000 a coin because it is being priced, in my opinion, you can price it off fundamentals. It's being priced off of the exponential growth of the users. Just go look and track users of Bitcoin and track pricing. 
you know, plan B calls it the stock to flow model, but I call it, you know, the users, you use, just look at the users. Anyway, that's, that's my two, four, six, eight on Bitcoin. Happy to talk more about anything you want fundamentals or otherwise. I love it. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I would, I a hundred percent agree with you way more comfortable at current price levels than I was at $400. Risk, risk adjusted returns. I think Bitcoin has never been, you know, more bullish than it is currently, it's currently early. sitting right now. Odell, am I wrong? It's early. It's okay, early as hell. Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm talking my book. I'm actually not talking my book. I'm trying to educate you because I would like you to become rich. That would be you, the listener of this podcast. I don't care. I've already made my money. Okay, <laughs> I already got my AARP card. Okay, and What I'm trying to explain to you is that there's a proliferation of fiat currency. There is macroeconomic factors where the world is changing once again, and you're going to need assets like this to be fully integrated and networked into the world. And this is technological innovation that you as an investor need to be a part of. Now, let me just say one last thing. If you have old fuddy-duddies like me listening to you, but believe it or not, you actually do at this point because they're intellectually curious. Let me ring their bell for a second. If you're a money manager listening to this, you are going to have Bitcoin in an index that you're going to be compared to. Now, maybe that index will be 60% stock and 35% bonds and a couple of percent hedge funds. But if it's one or 2% Bitcoin, you're effectively short Bitcoin by not being long it. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So, so, so if you want to do that to yourself, go ahead. I don't want to do that to myself. You know, my competitors are now, what the hell is he doing in Bitcoin? And now my competitors are like, well, hold on a second. If I don't get in Bitcoin, I won't be able to pace with him. Will it be volatile? Yes. Could we lose 20%? Yes. Could you lose more than that? Sure. But are you going to see $100,000, $200,000 per coin prices in the near term? Near term for me, because I'm a fuddy-duddy, 24 months? Yes you will see that because it is taking on the exponential effects of Metcalf's law. I have nothing to say. You're just saying everything I believe. I, I think one of the cool parts about Bitcoin is you said you're talking your book. Yes, you're talking your book. You're talking my book and you're talking most of the listeners' books right now, which is fantastic. I do like the aligned incentives that, that all Bitcoin holders have. One thing you touched on there. But I'm um, also trying to be cautious. I'm also trying to explain to people, I'm, I'm telling the clients one to 2%. Right. Got, I'm not telling probably, them that. Yeah, you've got probably Bitcoin maximalists on. You, well, have to remember, you have to remember where I am. I'm an incrementalist. I'm trying to move glaciers and dinosaurs, okay, to prevent them from being extinct. Well, I'm conservative, you're, you're, but I'm you're not You're already in the new world. You're already ahead of me by three decades, and you're seeing 2040, 2045. I'm dealing with people that see 1975. My big remember. thing, though, is people say I'm, I'm, I'm a risk taker, right? You know, the traditional finance people might think I'm a risk taker, but my whole big thing and one thing that I popularized in the Bitcoin space is is really boring, just dollar cost averaging, just being humble about it. Well, I've done that. Yep. And just slowly I, buy into Bitcoin. And I still do it today. I've been rolling into my fund more money. Beautiful. You know, I've got 20. Well, at cost now, it's over 50. But, you know, the firm put $25 million of its own capital in the fund to get it started. Now, you know, it's over 50. We've got over $500 million in Bitcoin, which is a pretty big move for a, a firm like ours. And again, being an incrementalist, I'm just telling clients, okay, 
let's say you don't believe me. Let's say you don't believe my guidance and my analysis of the fundamentals. Well, put 1% of your money in. Because if I'm right, that 1% is going to grow to 5%. And it's going to have a dramatic impact on your portfolio and a dramatic impact on your returns. If I'm wrong and you've lost 1% of your assets, you're not going to miss a meal. So you said something earlier. You said something that that money managers are going to have to compare themselves to Bitcoin returns. Do you think that that Bitcoin is basically going to become like this basic measurement of value? Like if, if you can't outperform the purchasing power of Bitcoin, and I'd go further. So I've said something publicly that I've gotten a lot of shade for. People have said I've been irresponsible about it. I the statement is Bitcoin is designed to pump forever. And, and my belief is you said something that, you know, the, the total of users right now is 130 million, according to our friend Michael Saylor. I think that number is way less. So I think as adoption increases, because it's a truly scarce asset, the, you know, the price should go up. But I think once adoption like flatlines, and let's say we live in a post-Bitcoin world and anyone who wants Bitcoin has Bitcoin, I still think because it's scarce and because production, you know, human production power is not scarce, the purchasing power of Bitcoin should increase over time forever. I'm not saying it's a certainty, but I'm saying when I look at everything set up, that's what I see. All right. So let me let me react to that. I, I'm going to say three things. I'm going to say I'm making the statement that money managers will have an index benchmark that they measure themselves by. So if you are a stock market person, you're being benchmarked off the S&P or the Russell 5000, or you pick an index. You know, you could be benchmarked off the Dow. If you're a fixed income manager, you have the Bloomberg Barclays bond index, and I can give you different indexes. But if you're a total return manager in a pension fund or a total return manager that's got a stack of assets and you're advising a wealthy individual, well, most people have a stock and bond, hedge fund, hard asset portfolio, including real estate and gold. And the question is, is Bitcoin going to have a slot in that pie, in that pizza pie? And my answer to that question is yes. Yes, it will. Is it a one, two, three, 5% slot? We can pick it. It doesn't really matter, but it will have a slot. So if you're sitting there as a 200-year-old person and you don't want to own Bitcoin because it's worthless and it's just a bunch of garbage. And as Noriel Rabini calls it, shit coin and all of this stuff. Okay. But it's now going to be something you're benchmarked off of. And so for, for those reasons, you know, it, it's going to be increasing in value because people are going to like, shit, I don't want to be short Bitcoin. I got to own some of it. So that's number one. The, the, the problem you're having with your statement, why people are being critical, Matt, is because you're using the word pump. And so when people use the word pump, they, they hear the word dump. They hear pump and then they hear dump, right? And so, and so that's why they get concerned and they think of the Wolf of Wall Street and that sort of thing. But you're, what you're really saying, if I could reframe it for you and be your verbal proofreader, if I could re-intellectualize it for you, if that's even a word, I'm channeling George W. Bush at this moment. Uh, what you're really saying is that there's a fixed supply of Bitcoin, but we're very early stages. Let's call it 100 million users. It doesn't matter. Let's say it's 50 million users. It doesn't really matter if it's 50 million or 150 million. Right. As it relates to the world and the universe, that is still very early innings. It could be the 
first batter in the first inning or the second batter, but you're still very, very early. So to me, what I would say to you and I would say to your listeners is I would rather be roughly right than precisely wrong. Meaning I think sometimes we have a tendency to overthink things and then we have a tendency to overthink our way out of the simplest, purest, best ideas. So I didn't want to do that with Bitcoin. I wrote down in my diary, if these three things happen, I am going to have a Bitcoin fund. And I told you what those three things were, the network effect, the robustness of it, tax and regulation, and I can store it in a place that I feel very comfortable about from a safe perspective. I'm not going to have a SIM card swap on my phone. I'm not going to get fished at my account somewhere where I think it's Coinbase support. It's coming in. I give them my password. My coins are gone. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And so your, your point, though, I think really needs to be hammered to people that if you and I are right, there'll be 500 there will be a billion users of Bitcoin in 2025. There are 21 million coins, three of which have been lost, two-ish of which are being mined. So let's call it for the sake of this conversation, there's 16 to 17 million coins currently available. Globally, according to the World Economic Forum, there are 48 million millionaires as measured by the fiat currency known as the U.S. dollar. So you don't even have enough Bitcoin for each millionaire to own one coin, Matt. Okay, so let's just take a deep breath and look around and recognize the network effects of Bitcoin and then try to build a case for me how it's not going up in value. And you may be right, because one thing I've learned about my life is I get a lot of things wrong. But I also know that by playing the probabilities and the statistics and being measured, I can grow my wealth. I can grow my clients' wealth. And if I'm right about Bitcoin, it'll be one of those seminal moments that people look back on and say, hey, thank God he was encouraging me to be part of that story. As an example, I wish somebody encouraged me to be part of the Amazon story in 1997. That, right. that company came public in 97. If you put $10,000 in Amazon, today it's worth $21 million. However, you had to go through seven periods of time where you had a 50% drop in Amazon's shares. So for those reasons, I'm bullish, I'm cautious. And there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal today, if you get a chance to read it, it's by a professor. And he said, you know, people can say what they want, but there is an intrinsic value to Bitcoin. What's the intrinsic value? It is that network. There's millions and millions of people that are now accepting it as value transfer. And if you understand the history of money, what do we know about money? We know that forever, from the beginning of recorded history, we're trading something between each other that's worth less than what we're trading. That's an axiomatic fact. If I give you a piece of paper that's painted green. It's a piece of fabric, actually. It's got a, a, a president or Ben Franklin's picture on it. I hand it to you. You're giving me a pizza and probably some change. Okay, that's worthless, that piece of paper. There are digits in my bank account. I can look at them today. I can log off on this podcast, look at them, call Mercedes. Hey, how you doing? Send me the G-Wagon. 
they say, okay, great. There's 180,000 digits in your bank account. Why are those digits to my bank account? So your digits are going to go down by 180,000. Mine are going up by 180,000. And we're going to deliver you a G-Wagon. Those digits are worth way less than the actual good, the G-Wagon or the services, my landscaper. And so when you stop and you think about money, and I always recommend to people, if they want to understand Bitcoin, read The Ascent of Money by Neil Ferguson. And then I say something about storage. You got 30 more seconds where I can share with you. A, 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 Anthony, a, Anthony, I love this. This is, this is unreal okay, so let me, to me. Let me I, I, I can't tell you the names of these the people. Best. I can't tell you the names of these people, but I got a buddy of mine in Saudi Arabia. And he says, okay, you want to talk about storage? I say, yeah, storage. He's okay. right now, the crown prince loves me. He loves me. But for, for some reason, if he doesn't like me anymore, I have a USB with $200 million of Bitcoin. I'm going to shove it straight up my ass, and I'm going to head for the Yemeni border. Anthony, can I shove $200 million of gold up my ass? I'm just asking you for a friend. Can I? And the answer is no. And so the, the, the point being is we have now mastered, we have now fully technologically innovated value transfer. And we've, we've, we've done it off of the ledger, the cryptography and the blockchain technology surrounding Bitcoin and the cryptography known as Bitcoin. So therefore, you know, and forget about me, okay, your generation, my children, my 28-year-old son that just graduated from Stanford Business School, he's accepted Bitcoin. You want to debate a 60-year-old guy about whether or not Bitcoin is a store of value? Good fucking luck, okay? You can do it all day. He's not going to, he's going to probably be stuck in the mud. But do you want to talk to a 28-year-old? They're already there. They see it as better than gold. You want to talk to Sailor? Sailor thinks, well, if gold's at 12 trillion, Bitcoin's 10 times better than gold. It should be at 100 trillion. I'm not saying that, but I am saying at eight, 900, a trillion, could it be 5 trillion in market cap as it gets absorbed? Yes, it can. And then, so why do you want to miss that? If I'm I mean, right, why do you want to miss that? You made a good point that, like, you don't have to know the specific number. Like, it, the, the adoption levels right now are negligible. It should probably go substantially higher in some point of time in the future. Yes. Right. So if you're directionally correct, you just go for the long term bet. Matt, my message to investors is I would rather be roughly right than precisely wrong. We have a tendency to overthink and overcomplicate. I got people telling me, well, Ethereum and Dogcoin or Dogecoin, whatever they fucking call it. Okay, no, no, no. I'm not in for those. I'm in for Bitcoin. Why? Because Bitcoin, there are 8,300 coins. It has been defending itself for 12 years. It has slayed the competition. And yes, could there be a bigger coin someday? Sure. You know, Bitcoin will be replaced, Matt. I can guarantee that <laughs> it will be replaced. But it, it, it probably has a 150-year shelf life, like the pound sterling, like the U.S. dollar. You know, my, my point is I'm not sitting here. All states are impermanent, right? Isn't that what the Buddha said? I'm just looking at the landscape and I'm measuring out over the next 25 to 50 years. And I'm telling you, Bitcoin is going to have a very big role in value transfer and a fully integrated operating costless ledger 
for men and women in our society to transfer value between each other. I mean, I don't so think you Bitcoin's could buy you replaced. could buy into it on the ground floor. I'm sorry. I don't think Bitcoin's going to be replaced, but you know, I I can, I can let my grandkids fight that battle in 150 well, well, years. Well, well, my my point is, I don't even want to litigate that. I, I in other words, I would cede that. You're probably right. Bitcoin probably won't be replaced, but because of because of where it is. But let me let me rephrase it. I'm willing to cede debate points to people. You want to tell me that someday it'll be replaced? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's at a trillion dollars. It's heading for 15 trillion. You see, you see the point I'm making, right? You, you be the Bitcoin skeptic. I'll cede you 30 percent of your skepticism and accept what you're saying is fact. And the thing is still going to where roughly I think it's going. Right. That's my point. That's my directionally correct. 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 So, I mean, just to go back a tiny bit, we were talking about comparing to indexes, right? Like uh, your ben- you have benchmark indexes where you compare your returns. I was actually going a little bit even further than that. So like as an individual, like an individual is is considering if they if they give their money to a money manager, if they can just in a permissionless way obtain Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin themselves and get that base return, that that person who's going to manage their money needs to beat that return. Otherwise, there's no reason for them to give up their custody of their money and there's no reason to give them that management fee, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we have to talk about that because, you know, I am a believer. Well, no, you're 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 essentially right. Again, this is where, you know, again, finer points here and there. If you're an institutionalist like me and you're used to a certain structure around your money and I'm just trying to get you comfortable, then it's okay to pay the fee and pay the custody. If you're a millennial or you're younger than a millennial, Generation X or Z, and you want to take the risk of putting it on your phone and things like that, do that. But I'm telling you, if you really want it to scale and you want it to adopt, the older people still have the money. That's how it works. You know, they, The 70-year-old guy has likely more money as an investor than the 20-year-old. And so to get him comfortable or her comfortable, you have to put apparatus around it that makes them comfortable from a technical and a structural perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, so a Bitcoin, a, you know, a managed Bitcoin fund is not really what I, you know, like your fund, the fund that you're launching is not what I really meant there. That kind of makes sense to me from a, just a convenience point of view, right. a comfort point of view. It's exactly, it's, you know, you, I've got a great auditor. Yeah, I've got you a pay for the peace firm. of mind. It's stored in fidelity. You're paying me a small amount. I mean, you know, you know, certain guys are getting two percent. We're only charging seventy-five basis points. We'll store it and keep it safe. You got but, an insurance layer. All that stuff, I think, is worth it to certain people. Right, and especially high net worth, also corporations. All of this makes sense to me. What I mean more is, let's say, you know, a, a bottom-level high net worth individual. They're worth like thirty million dollars. Right now, they have a like a UBS wealth advisor, right? Who's got their money in like a bunch of different index funds and like in all all these different equities, and then they're taking a fee out of that. That guy's got to beat the returns of Bitcoin. If he doesn't beat the returns of Bitcoin, then there's no reason for you to have have that relationship, yeah. right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So I would say a little differently. You know, what I would say is he's got to have Bitcoin in that portfolio. He's probably got a client who, quote unquote, wants to stay wealthy. Okay. And so he's got to recognize that if you got to want to stay wealthy, you're going to have a diversified portfolio. You're not going to put 100 cents of your 
fiat currency known as American dollars into Bitcoin. Uh, you're going to have some real estate, some other things, but he's going to he's going to need that UBS guy that you're referencing, or pick any FA. He's going to need some exposure to Bitcoin. He's going to have to answer right. to that. His client is going to say to him, "Well, Matt O'Dell, the FA at XYZ Financial Advisors, he's putting five percent of his client's money into Bitcoin, and they're getting way richer than me, and they're outbidding me at Sotheby's for art." Or they're buying better quality waterfront Hamptons real estate than me, right? And so you're you're causing me to lag behind what my purchasing power should be. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not you know I I, I can't say oh yeah geez you know Bitcoin went up ten thousand percent in the last ten years or whatever the number is and you didn't so therefore you suck. I'm not, I don't think that's where people are going, but I think people are going to say okay I've got five percent in Bitcoin, and I'm doing way better than you that have no percent in Bitcoin. So what the hell is going on? And I think that's going to force the further acceleration of the adoption. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think we agree. I, I guess my point is that 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 discussion already happens, right? That market process already happens comparing different advisors and wealth managers against each other and their performance against each other. The difference here, I think, is all of a sudden humans have a choice in a pure store of value play that they haven't had in the past, right? So I feel like it adds an additional layer of pressure there, like additional layer of market pressure there that people aren't really appreciating yet because we haven't had it. I think that's well said. And we, we agree. We agree. Awesome. So, I mean, let's just, the big news of this week has been Tesla, you know, so we have the richest man in the world, outspoken CEO of Tesla. They decided to put $1.5 billion on their balance sheet worth of Bitcoin. You know, MicroStrategy already did it. Square did it on a smaller scale. But I think Tesla, that, that, that's a whole different kind of wake-up call to have Tesla come in at, at, at such, a, such a massive position, just like right off the bat. Am I... So the plan is to release this podcast on Tuesday. Yeah. Currently, currently, it's Thursday. The price is trading around $47,000. I've been waking up in the morning on these last few days, and I just the price could be anywhere above. Like I am right now, I feel like people are not appreciating the gravity of, of this situation and, 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 and how the domino effect could happen here if we start seeing corporation after corporation come in and put Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And it's almost for, for these large corporations and these, these you know, super high net worth individuals, it's less risk than for me or you because First of all, Elon can legally front run his own company and buy Bitcoin ahead of time uh, because it's not a security. And then second of all, just the announcement of them owning Bitcoin increases the price substantially. We had the largest Bitcoin candle ever. It went up $9,000 the other day when the announcement happened. It's just automatic free money. So are we about to see just a waterfall of, of investment come into Bitcoin? So, yes, but there will be pullbacks. And I would, add, I would add one other thing to what you're saying, because they're doing this a long time. You have a classic short squeeze going on. And, and to be a little cheeky, Elon Musk, who hates short sellers, and they preyed on Tesla forever, and he's managed to destroy them. He knows that there's a smug group of hedge fund managers and others that are short Bitcoin, think it's a tulip bulb and it's going to bust. And so there's a you know couple billion dollars short Bitcoin. And so he's squeezing them right now. See that announcement 
has caused people to cover. The Bank of New York announcement has caused people to cover, which is why it's candles sticking 9,000 and gapping. When you see gaps like that to somebody like me, it's like a cardiologist reading an EKG, those candlestick gaps that you're describing, some of that's born from short selling. However, you're also correct, there is a water wall of money coming from all those people that you just described. So yes, there will be, there will definitely be higher prices because you have a scarce asset that people want to participate in. And there will also come a time where you and I, hopefully you'll invite me back. I don't know if it's a year from now, three years from now, where we're going to look at each other and say, well, you know, there's a lot of absorption. The prices are stabilizing. The value is less volatile. I'm not saying it won't continue to move upwards, but it'll be less gappy because there will be a stable of people that have come in. As an example, Amazon is moving. It's still a great story. It has great Metcalf effect. It still has great exponential earnings power, but because of its size and scale and its diversity of shareholders, it's not moving with the same level of volatility that it moved 12 years ago is the point that I'm making. But yes, you're correct on what you're saying. I'm right, just as, adding the short, the short squeeze is also a part of it. As liquidity increases, the volatility should edge out, right? Exactly. It should get, it should get, it should get smoother. As, as for short squeeze, I mean, so we had like the whole Wall Street bets thing happen. So I feel like a, a lot of retail had an education on what could happen in a short squeeze scenario. So I've been kind of, let, let, let's be honest here. You know, I've been accumulating Bitcoin for a while. And one of our favorite things to do is to shit post on Twitter because, you know, our fuck you money keeps increasing in value. So recently, the shit post angle I've been going and they, I try to be informative shit posts. The whole world is short Bitcoin right now. I think Elon is technically short Bitcoin because if you take his wealth, if you take his wealth and you and, and how much Bitcoin he has, it's an absolute negligible portion of his wealth. Um, and all these people are going to have to cover themselves as the price increases. I accept that because I'll, I'll put it to you differently. Okay, you ready? Those assets, you've just printed 23% more dollars. The stimulus is going to lead to another big money printing. So in 12 years, you'll have 40% more dollars. So the stuff you want to own is going up in fiat currency. Yet it's not going up in Bitcoin. Meaning if you own the coin, the coin's tracing the production of fiat currency and it's tracing the asset appreciation. So in other words, I could look at my account and I have a million dollars of fiat currency dollars in my account, but the government just produced 40% more of them. So definitionally, my purchasing power for those million dollars is less. You see what I'm saying? But that's what Which I'm saying. Could, I'm saying like even I'm short Bitcoin. Like I, you said 48 million, 48 million millionaires. Yes. Right? Yes. When they try and get, they're all short Bitcoin, they don't even realize, right? They're short, they're they're effectively short Bitcoin. That is correct. And that is, but you know, again, you know, it's still an early adoption story. And I I'm trying to move people that are immovable. Right. I before we before I joined your podcast, I was on the phone with somebody, 75-year-old chief investment officer. He just told me, I've read through your stuff. I listened to you. I'm making an investment in your fund. And by the way, if you had told me that I was going to do that, I would have said, no way. 
Bitcoin is shit coin. It's worthless. <laughs> All of that 70-year-old distillation of how the world's operating and should work is going to prevent me from doing it. But you said a few things to me that clicked, and I am short Bitcoin. So I've got to get some exposure to Bitcoin to pursue it to what you're saying. Right. And the whole world, kind of, I kind of feel like the, it's weird how it happens. Like the whole world is kind of waking up at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, look, I saw that in October, which is why right. I started scaling, because, you know, I've got a lot of relationships. And also I said, wait a minute, these guys are not going to want to put this on their balance sheet in 2020, the year of the pandemic. But they're going to start putting it on their balance sheet in the first quarter of 2021. Right. Let me get my clients in there and positioned and make the case for, for, for people. And like, what was the price in October? The price in October was 16000 like Yeah. Exactly. And it feels, that feels like an eternity ago. People would yeah, and also go hands people, over fists. And when I was buying it, people said, well, it was just 9000 And then March, right. it was 3000 You're buying it at 16000 That's a ridiculous price. You're top ticking it. Right. Peter Schiff has sent me <laughs> two or three. I'm an imbecile and I top tick Bitcoin, but that's 300% ago now that I supposedly top tick Bitcoin. Right. So I have to apologize because I have a live television show in a, in, a, in a few seconds that I have to join and I have to I have to switch out of my Bitcoin gear. OK, and put my suit back on. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join oh, us. It's um, my pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You said you wanted to hopefully have this conversation again. I am helping Bitcoin magazine throw a massive Bitcoin conference in June, June 4th and 5th in Miami. We have the Miami mayor on board. We have Jack Dorsey on board. We have Tony Hawk on board. It's going to be a massive party. I'm thinking 200K Bitcoin by June. So if that happens, it'd be, it'd be an honor if you, if you join well, us. Well, I hope you'll invite me. I hope you'll invite me. I'll come, I'll come and spectate or I'll come and speak or I'll interview people for you, whatever you'd like me to do. I would love to be a part of it. And I, and I, I want to congratulate you on what you're doing. And I also want to congratulate you on seeing things before other people have seen them, but more importantly, sticking to it. Uh, because to really be a great investor, you have to have a stick to itness. And so remember, and I'll share this with your listeners, volatility is not a measurement of risk if you understand the fundamentals. It's just the manic depression of the markets. It can get exuberant in some periods and depressed in others, but if you've got the fundamentals right, you're gonna catch the trajectory and it's important for people to stay disciplined and long term. And I think you're doing a really big service to a lot of people, Matt, with what you're doing. And so congratulations. Love it. Thank you, Anthony. Keep right, in man. the good fight. Thank you. I'm sorry I got a bust, but I'll come on any time and I'll give you more time. I'll give you an hour. You like the swag? Fantastic. I, I would love one. <laughs> Cheers. All right. I'm going to have my assistant send you one. I'm assuming you're a medium. Yes. Perfect. Okay. All right. You got it. Coming Thank your you. way. Can somebody on your staff, can you text me your address? Yes, we'll do. Oh, you got my thing. All right. God bless you, Matt. Good luck. Take care. Cheers. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. 
do your own research.